It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Dot com. We'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's for an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn properties, all of them that is, my favorites, of course, Holiday Inn Resorts and the Holiday Inn Express. If you're traveling someplace, make sure you stay at a Holiday Inn. You want a Billy C. discount when you stay? We'll hook you right up. Just visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on uh, the banner uh, or call our toll-free number, 844-603-0364, 844-603-0364. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now. While you're watching or listening to this show, just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant. I say adamant about getting this guy's story told. Um, Oh, and by the way, you want a signed copy? Just uh, go to the website and click the book. You want more than one signed copy? Drop me an email. Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. Dot com. So, hey, don't forget, uh, don't be scared to give us a uh, super chat today. Yeah, yeah, don't be scared. But uh, coming up on the show, well, actually, coming up tomorrow, programming note, we are not doing a live show on Friday. Just so mark that down. Pencil that one down. Um, coming up on the show tomorrow, our blast from the past, which is uh, uh, another request. And by the way, if you have a request for blast from the past or... Or anything else, just make sure you drop me an email, Billy at Talkin Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Hey, if you've watched or listened to this show for any length of time, you gotta remember me saying the email address a thousand times during the show, right? Well, people still don't drop the G in Talkin, and God knows how many emails that we were supposed to get go to someone else, but. Uh, Anyway, our Blast from the Past features former uh, world champion uh, William Joppy. So uh, uh, make sure you stick around uh, tomorrow for that, as well as uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard. We'll get his thoughts on some stuff. Today's main topic, 
Triple G against Canelo Alvarez. Most of us believe that this fight is going to take place in September, uh, September 15th to be exact. And um, it may not. There's uh, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, first and foremost, um, Triple G wants a 50-50 split in this fight. And Canelo and his, uh, you know, bloodthirsty, who I've lost a lot of respect for, promoter, Oscar De La Hoya, feel that it doesn't justify a 50-50 split, that Canelo deserves a larger portion of the purse. And I just don't understand uh, what the problem is. Uh, first and foremost, Canelo... Uh, ruined the rematch, whether, you know, you, I've heard people feel that they, he did it on purpose, et cetera, et cetera, to, uh, just to make Triple G wait another six months, aging him, if you will. Um, you know, it was Canelo who tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. It was Canelo who forced uh, the delay of this fight, the rematch, okay? Um, it, it, it was basically all Canelo's fault and Oscar De La Hoya comes on after that saying that, you know, he thinks it's ridiculous of all the outrage that has uh, come out in the sport of boxing against Canelo because of the uh, performance-enhancing drug test positive. He says, hey, this guy's been tested, his hair follicle, you know, what else does he want him to do? And, and he's saying that he feels uh, that Triple G is just scared. Here's a quote from Oscar De La Hoya. He says, it's clear to us that Triple G doesn't want to fight Canelo. It's clear to us that after all the demands that they made, all right, which is kind of funny, uh, after Canelo having to do uh, the hair follicle test, having to enroll in VADA, uh, having to be tested by Nevada State Athletic Commission randomly, even uh, before he was rolled in, enrolled in VADA, it's clear that Triple G is afraid of Canelo. So we're going to move on, and I'm going to start making phone calls to people like Daniel Jacobs, Billy Joe Saunders, Jermel Charlo, and Spike O'Sullivan to replace Triple G for September 15th. Joining me right now to get his thoughts uh, is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Uh, what do you think about uh, what's going on now with these two? Talk, talk about flexing your muscle. Well, you don't have it. <laughs> anyway, I'll tell you what. It's interesting, but uh, I, I think he's, uh, he's, uh, he's trying to pull a fagazi. And uh, I don't think he's really. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's a lot of rhetoric. Uh, he he's trying to um, go the uh, uh, seasoning route here, and uh, there's no call for it. I mean, it's a fight we do want to see. And you know, I'm sorry. What did Triple G? What was his, his demands? Just show up and 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 make sure you have no illegal uh, performance enhancing uh, substance in your bloodstream. That's not a big demand, is it? <laughs> No, and, and, and what's even worse about it, Sal, is the fact that Oscar De La Hoya is trying to spin it to make it, oh, yeah. seem, to make it seem like, you know, uh, Triple G uh, is making all these demands like uh, Canelo being enrolled in, in VADA, uh, which, by the way, when a fighter refuses to be enrolled in that, I would think that a flag goes up. All right. I, I mean, personally, personally. Um, and then, you I know, he, and he was also Oscar De La Hoya was the one that said, hey, Canelo, will, we don't care. We'll get tested from now until September. And as as of today, at least at my sources, 
He hasn't been retested once after the hair follicle test. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Canelo Alvarez, and wait a minute, let me, before I make that statement, let me ask you a question, all right? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm here. Do you think that Canelo Alvarez's, um, you know, uh, status or, or whatever, uh, I don't know another choice of word, but do you think his popularity – um, in a positive way, has has been affected at all by by all of this, uh, or do you think that you know he's unscathed? I'll tell you this, Billy. Now, now I I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement right now. I have a lot. You, you know, we have we have uh, one of the largest government installations training centers down here in Brunswick, Georgia, called Fletzy, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, and these great men and women. Uh, come to my business uh, every day and they're big supporters of us as we are big supporters of them and they are a large contingency of a fight community they watch they do watch MMA but they do love boxing and you have some of your boxing purists that I speak to that are very very knowledgeable fight fans that have a lot to say about the even Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder and of course, they also add into the mix. They love to talk about Oscar Dela, Oscar De La Hoya. They'll talk about, but they also talk about Triple G, and they also talk about Canelo Alvarez. And I will tell you, we were just talking this past weekend with a large group of these 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 men and women that uh, follow boxing that belong to the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. And uh, these guys, they were all adamant, and they all were on the same page across the board as far as expressing that they no longer really feel or support too much of Canelo Alvarez on a lot of levels from his Vada. Now, guess guess what? Because these are all federal officers. And, of course, when you're doing illegal stuff, that puts mud right in your eye. And uh, so the bottom line is I don't think he's sustained a real level of, of his popularity by going through this process and by going through all this. I think it's hurt him a little bit. Uh, how much? I don't know. And as far as a statement coming from Oscar De La Hoya that, that Triple G is afraid of Canelo Alvarez, I really feel in my heart of hearts that Triple G is going to stop Canelo Alvarez next time they go in there because I still say in my heart of hearts, I think he beat Canelo Alvarez that first fight out. And uh, I think he'll have his number a little bit more right on. I think he'll throw a little bit more caution to the wind. I don't think he'll show as much respect. And I think he'll uh, have him on the ropes like he did the first time. But instead of letting him go get away, I think he'll be relentless and pounding and throwing combinations left and right. That's my hum uh, humble opinion. I could be wrong, but that's what I feel. And I do feel that he is not ducking him. He's not afraid of Canelo Alvarez. And I do feel that this is just another spin. And, uh, and, and Canelo's camp trying to go through a little bit more marination to try and stimulate, agitate, and frustrate us. Listen. You know, I don't understand how, and, and I mean, listen, I don't need anybody to explain it to me. I do understand why, but the, the truth of the matter is, is it's BS. There is no way that Oscar De La Hoya, even though he's dropped so far down on my respect totem pole, um, there's no way that he, in my opinion, can successfully spin this to make it seem like the problem here is Triple G. No, exactly. this this fight this fight should have right taken on. place in May, 
and it should, you know, the beginning of May, and it should have um, not been, you know, derailed because of performance-enhancing drug use. I don't care if it really was from the tainted beef, which I think is another fabricated BS story. You know, when you look at Canelo and you look back, I mean, people did this with Manny Pacquiao for years. They would take photos and they would say, look, you know, uh, look at Manny Pacquiao here. Now look at him, look at his head, look at this, look at that. You know, that's from steroids. Um, And you can make that argument about Canelo. But here's the difference. Pacquiao never tested positive. Canelo has. He's already tested positive. So this suggests that, you know, the public opinion is is ridiculous, is sad to even make that statement. You know, the truth of the matter is, is everybody cries about, and I'm talking about everyone in control, the policing organizations like the commissions, et cetera, et cetera. They're all crying how they want to look out for the fighters' safety. Well, when you're talking about performance-enhancing drug use, that's a, a, a direct thing that is going to affect a fighter's safety inside the ring. So to make it, try to make it like it's a, a, a just a you know little little uh, uh, issue or or just a little tidbit is false. And anybody that 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 believes it is an idiot. I don't understand why Oscar De La Hoya can't just turn around and and uh, you know admit that his guy was busted because they all probably you know knew it. His guy was busted. It's time to you know hit the pocketbook. Now you know to suggest that they would go after a fight like uh, Daniel Jacobs or Billy Joe Saunders, I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't be interested in seeing those guys fight. I, I actually would rather see them fight Triple G because to me he's the the real uh, champion. But Spike O'Sullivan, this was the guy that, that that had an opportunity to fight Triple G, and they turned it down. And he ended up being a co-main event on some little teeny show. Um, I, if they end up fighting Spike O'Sullivan, what would be your opinion of both Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya? Well, I think they're they're the ones running from Triple G, and I think they're the ones that are going to be afraid to face Triple G. I mean, Spike O'Sullivan, I like Spike O'Sullivan. And, you know, you earlier named a, a couple of fighters that uh, they may be looking at, uh, including the Charlo brothers or this and that, uh, for, for Canelo. And I'll tell you what, Canelo, there's a lot of other fighters out there that I do not believe Canelo's going to have a very easy time with. Um, and, and Spike O'Sullivan, do I think he'll beat him? I think he could get past and beat beat Spike O'Sullivan. I like Spike O'Sullivan. Maybe he can. I don't know. Any given night, you know what they say. But yeah, if he's going to choose Spike O'Sullivan on that uh, September date instead of ironing this thing out and have it signed, sealed, and delivered uh, with Triple G as the rematch, as they were earlier saying, we'll pick it up in the thirteenth round. I mean, you know, this 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 is more rhetoric and bull that they're going to present to the fight fans. And yes, they're going to try and spin it to put themselves in the driver's seat and to make them seem like they're they're flawless and they're not at fault and it's all Triple G's uh, lack of uh, uh, cooperation cooperation in the negotiations. Listen, I agree with you about Spike Sullivan and I didn't suggest, I I wasn't trying to suggest that he was, you know, a terrible uh, opponent. It's just that he's not, just like you said, he's not the the guy. Triple G that we want. Right. 
And, you know, so. quite honestly, you know, I don't – let me ask you this. I can't wait. Do you think that – I mean, who's who's the middleweight champion? I mean, it's almost like Oscar De La Hoya is trying to spin it <laughs> so that Canelo – Right. I mean, they're still trying to, to spin it like Canelo's the big draw here. And this is my point. I think throughout this whole process – the performance-enhancing drug uh, testing positive. The way they handled it. The the way that that you know Canelo didn't even show up for the hearing. The fact that he only got a slap on the wrist. And by the way, Eric Molina, who fought um, uh, Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, okay, a heavyweight, and he fought Anthony Joshua in December of 2016. He ended up uh, testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs, and he was suspended for two years. Two you know, so, years. So here we got Canelo gets a slap on the wrist f- for, for six months, gets to go have surgery, take some time off, let uh, Triple G age, and they're trying to spin it like it's all Triple G, and they're even using the old he's afraid of them thing. Come on, nobody's afraid. You know, it's, it's, it's a negotiation. If this fight doesn't happen, let me ask you this. Who's in the driver's seat to be regarded as a middleweight champ? Will they try to make Canelo be regarded as a middleweight champ? Because the only way that people would be able to even make it a discussion is if he fought Billy Joe Saunders. That's right. And you know what? I don't think Billy Joe Saunders is an easy fight for Canelo Alvarez. In fact, I'll put my money on Billy Joe Saunders. Um, I'll tell you right now, I, I like Canelo Alvarez. You know I was a very big fan of Canelo Alvarez for years ago and Oscar De La Hoya. And I still do like Oscar De La Hoya, and I respect him for his boxing skills. I think he was a phenomenal fighter. I think he was a great fighter. Uh, and same thing, I liked uh, Canelo Alvarez. But I do not like their behavior and their their uh, rhetoric that they're spewing as far as facing Triple G this time around. So I think they should get off that bandwagon, try to come up with a different marketing strategy or plan, and uh, just uh, shut up and put up and get in the ring with Triple G on September 16th, and let's see what happens. Now let these two fighters dance and continue, yes, in round 13, and see if it can, if they can reach round uh, 25. Let me ask you the million-dollar question. Can't if wait. you were part of Triple G's team, um. Would you eventually settle for less than a 50-50? First of all, I think a 50-50 split is more than reasonable, okay? I didn't even think uh, more than that in Canelo's favor was justifiable for the first fight, but that's neither here nor there. But the way things are right now, do you think that a 50-50 split is justifiable? A, and the second part of that question, if you're Triple G's team, what do you do? Do you walk away from this, um, if the, the the split does not become 50-50? What, what's your thoughts on it? I know mine. I I mean, I, I can't believe that the Alvarez camp is asking for more than 50%. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, Triple G is the world champion. All right, granted, is he Mr. Personality and, and Mr. Electrifying uh, uh, Markability? Yes, kind of, uh, I think he is. I, I, I know that, but the bottom line is, He's a quiet, humble guy. He lets his fist do the talking. 
There, you never hear anything outside of the ring of any kind of antics and, and stuff or stimulating uh, news kind of items. He's a, he keeps a very low profile, and he's a lunch pail kind of guy. And he goes to work, and he and he eats his lunch. And uh, basically, uh, you know, you don't hear anything that much outside of what he does. He goes in a ring, and he destroys you, or he tries to win at 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 at, at and it, to the best of his capabilities. So he he's he's a he's a great great fighter, a great champion, and he is undefeated, by the way. And so he should be in the driver's seat. And this question shouldn't even be: should he take less than fifty fifty? I think Canelo Alvarez should be grateful that he's getting at least fifty percent. You know, I personally um, feel that uh, Triple G should be prepared to walk. Um, I. If I'm Triple G's management, I do not settle for less than 50 50. No, After, you in, can't. in lieu you of can't. yeah, in lieu of everything that's gone on. No. Now, uh, one other thing, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, my my question will be this. Triple G, let's assume he says no, I'm not settling for less than 50 50. Let's talk about Triple G's other options uh, when we come back. Don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Um, before we went to break, uh, we were talking uh, about the uh, a demand that uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Canelo Alvarez is making to Triple G to re- not to let him expect a 50-50 split. They're talking about going in another route, Sal. And, you know, when you look at the names that Oscar De La Hoya uh, mentioned, he mentioned Daniel Jacobs, he mentioned Billy Joe Saunders, he mentioned Jamal Charlo, and Spike O'Sullivan. Now, when I look at these names, I, you know, the first name that comes to mind is Billy Joe Saunders because you say to yourself, well, Billy Joe Saunders, he's got a title. Um, Canelo kind of needs to win one to put the validity uh, on his claim uh, of being uh, the middleweight champion. Uh, if you remember, he's got the linear title, but, uh, uh, you know, that's lost its its. Uh, uh, power over the last uh, or juice over the last uh, several years so so that would be a guy so when you look at billy joe saunders you say to yourself well billy joe saunders could he make more money fighting canelo alvarez in las vegas than he could fighting triple g in the uk and then if it's that much more money you could see billy joe saunders coming to vegas but in my opinion to fight triple g in the uk might be a more uh, lucrative move for Billy Joe Saunders, assuming that, you know, he feels more comfortable uh, fighting in front of, uh, uh, you know, a home home audience, so to speak. So with that said, is that a potential, um, you know, uh, move for, for Triple G to go and, and try to cut a deal with Billy Joe Saunders? Or do you think Billy Joe Saunders would be more inclined uh, to fight uh, Canelo in Las Vegas? What's your thoughts on that fight first? 
Well, of of Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders. Well, the options of the option. from from Billy Joe Saunders' standpoint, yeah. right? So, if money's the main point, okay, money's the main point. But there's other tangibles you mix in. So, let's say he could make way more money fighting Canelo in Las Vegas um, versus making a little less money fighting at home in the UK. Which fight would he take? Would he fight, uh, you know, at home in the UK against Triple G, or would he go to Vegas and fight Canelo? Uh, especially knowing, you know, how the judges are in in Vegas when it comes to Canelo. I think that Billy Joe Saunders, and I'm talking about the Billy Joe Saunders that I saw dismantle the one-dimensional David Lemieux, who I was a big fight fan of. I like David Lemieux very much, and I hope to see him back. Uh, but that night. Uh, you want to talk about rising to the occasion. Uh, Dave Lemieux couldn't even get out of the gate, and I was a little bit uh, uh, upset and frustrated by seeing that because Billy Joe Saunders, to his credit, you know, did it all that night. He boxed, he moved, he hit. Um, he brought to the ring with him uh, an arsenal of bags in, in, in his bag that he uh, displayed for everybody. I thought he was a world beater that night, and I, I – Basically, wasn't even a big Billy Joe Saunders fan. Um, but I'll tell you what. I think Billy Joe Saunders should take the Vegas trip, get his name and his recognition, and get him uh, splattered all over the United States paper and press and uh, become a, a, a household name and fight fight uh, Canelo Alvarez in Vegas. And you know what? That's not an easy win for, for Canelo Alvarez, if that's what they're thinking. Because I said, if the if the if – the, uh, uh, Billy Joe Saunders that we saw fight uh, um, uh, Dave Lemieux shows up in Vegas to fight Canelo Alvarez. Not that Canelo Alvarez is as one-dimensional as Dave Lemieux. I think there's a similar style that that uh, that uh, Billy Joe Saunders will be prepared to face and to 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 try to move around and to dismantle and pick apart. So and and believe me. This guy, when he showed up, he looked like a light heavyweight. And you want to talk about big middleweights? This guy looked like a light heavyweight that night. You know, we got to cool. A tough fight you, for, you, for Canelo Alvarez to you, fight, face Billy Joe Saunders. You got to cool off, and I got to cool. Everybody's got to cool off a little bit on Billy Joe Saunders, and I'll I tell know. you why. David Lemieux was is a stationary target. The guy doesn't train. He just uh, won a fight. He came in overweight. I don't know if you caught that. He came in overweight again. He's moving up to 168-pound class. You know, it's not because this guy is too big for the weight class. It's because he's too lazy in training. So, you know, if we take that Billy Joe Saunders, and I agree with the fact that if that same Billy Joe Saunders can perform the way he did against David Lemieux, who's a one-trick pony, against either Canelo or Triple G, it's going to be an exciting, tough fight. I just look at the rest of Billy Joe Saunders' fights uh, when he has to you know, really fight and he doesn't have a stationary plotting target like David Lemieux is, and I don't see... I, I, I don't... Listen, I, if I'm Billy Joe Saunders, I want the most chances to win the fight, whether it be against Triple G or whether it be against Canelo. So money is going to be an issue. I think, I'm pretty damn sure that he can make more money fighting Canelo in Las Vegas yeah, than, he can, he could. than he can fight in yeah. Triple G at home. However, That's the fight. if it's close money, you know, if it's, if it's a million or two million less, which is a lot of money for us, but assuming he's making several million and he can fight Triple G at home, because Triple G has proven that he'll travel anywhere. 
something that a lot of uh, top, uh, you know, A fighters don't do. Um, I, I think it would be advantageous to for Billy Joe Saunders to fight at home. That's my opinion. And, and here's the thing. I think it boils down to Billy Joe Saunders. Um, you know, I think that he would prefer to fight at home, which he could do against Triple G. Now it boils down to two fights for Canelo. Would be Jamal Charlo or Spike O'Sullivan. And if he takes either of those two um, on, you know, uh, the the holiday in September, he's not going to make the money he would have made for Triple G. Now, when we look at Triple G, I think that the possibility of a rematch with Daniel Jacobs is a very good one, considering Eddie Hearn is involved. Eddie Hearn is the promoter of Daniel Jacobs. So that fight could be, you see, what, what, what Triple G does not have is a powerful promoter. He's got a good promoter in Lafleur, but he doesn't have a powerful money promoter to put on these big shows like Golden Boy and like Eddie Hearn. So if you remove Golden Boy from the mix and we look at the rest of the class, and I'm, and I'm going to stay with the same names that Oscar's throwing out there, Daniel Jacobs rises to the top aside from Billy Joe Saunders. Jermell Charlo and Spike O'Sullivan, there's no interest in them to fight Triple G uh, because they won't make the money. Charlo, do I want to see Charlo fight somebody? Yeah, I do. But I think that Triple G, the smartest deal he could do right now is his promoter, uh, Tim Lofter, they, they should go and cut a deal with, uh, with Eddie Hearn and matchroom boxing and or matchroom sport and um, turn around and, and they would all of a sudden have the bargaining power with the Daniel Jacobs fight. And that could generate some money. If I'm Triple G's team, Sal... I play hardball right now. I continue my anti-Canelo discussions. I say that I deserve 50-50. I'm not taking less and call him on it because there's not a better fight for Canelo financially than to fight Triple G. He's not going to make the same money against Charlo. And Now, the only guy that he could would possibly be Saunders because Saunders holds the belt. But I don't know, as far as value after the fight, should Canelo win, Canelo would be back in the driver's seat because he has a belt. But leading up to it, the only fight that people are going to judge Billy Joe Saunders on is the Lemieux fight. And I don't know how much credence we should put in that fight, considering he never looked that good, really, against anyone else. Well, you got a good point there, and like I always say, you're only as good as your last fight, and, uh, you know, all I can see is what I saw. All I can see is what I saw. Well, let's get off that that filter. Um, I think that uh, he looked exceptional that night when he fought uh, uh, Dave Lemieux, and uh, he rose to the top. He rose to the occasion, and will that be the same Billy Joe Saunders? I think if it is the same Billy Joe Saunders and he chooses to fight or Canelo chooses to fight him in Vegas, I think Canelo's going to have a rough night with that that kind of fighter if he if he shows up that, that same as he did against Lemieux. Um, but I think those are the only two fights for Canelo that's going to draw the money would be a Billy Joe Saunders in Vegas or Triple G. 
And if it's a business option, you either fight either one of those guys. The bottom line is he's taking a risk with Billy Joe Saunders because we don't know who's going to show up that night. And I think that, like I said, uh, I'll probably get a lot of feedback for this, but I think if the Billy Joe Saunders performs on the level that he did against uh, Billy uh, against Dave Lemieux, uh, Canelo's going to have a real rough night that night. Um, I would like to see, and I think they're all just holding out, marinating this whole damn thing, because I think the only fight for both of these guys, both of these guys being Triple G and Canelo Alvarez, is going to be holding firm and strong at a 50-50 split is going to be September 16th, Canelo Alvarez, Triple G rematch. I think this is all just part of the whole, like the Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder rhetoric that we're, we're having to go through. Bottom line is these two fighters are going to fight each other next. It does not, th- this whole marination process with top fights, like, uh, you know, Triple G, Canelo, or like you mentioned, AJ and Deontay, does not need marination. That's no, the doesn't. part. That's the part that makes me sick. Now, if you yes. want to try and 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 do a fight, uh, you know, between a, a secondary fighter, uh, let's say, uh, not that he's secondary, but let's say a Billy Joe Saunders and a Triple G, or Billy Joe Saunders and a Canelo. Okay, that fight you could see could use a little more marination. You know, get people know, to know who who he is, et cetera, et cetera. You don't need that with Triple G. So it's 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 down to the business part. You know, and the greed factor from Canelo slash Golden Boy's side. You know, and, and here's another important factor to look at. Triple G, for years, everybody said how big he was. Oh, he's a monster. He's a killer. He's big. He's a, he and he's not. Big he's not a big middleweight, okay? He's not. And I've always maintained that. He's not a big middleweight. He could not fight at 168. But no. when you look at Daniel Jacobs... When you look at Billy Joe Saunders, and when you look at Jamel Charlo, Jamal Charlo, they're huge. These are guys that are monsters in the ring. Okay, so so Canelo, if he's if he's a scared to fight a big guy that he's calling, because they've used that term. If you go back, they oh well, you know Canelo never fought above one fifty two. You know uh, Triple G is so much bigger. And now all of a sudden you're going to say, well, I want Jamal Charlo or I want Daniel Jacobs. You know, or even Billy Joe Saunders. They're way bigger than Triple G. And the only, so so when you shake all of that out, you end up with Spike O'Sullivan against against Canelo Alvarez on on the uh, Mexican holiday in September. Come on, man! There is no way that you know Canelo Alvarez against Spike O'Sullivan could make the money that Triple G Canelo rematch can. I'm sorry, but it's time for Golden Boy to shut the f up and give the 50-50 split. It's their own fault that they devalued Canelo. You know, whether the deal was signed, the, the previous deal was a bigger split uh, for Canelo, for the rematch. It really was. Now, Triple G is saying, nay, nay. You know, we want a 50-50 split. It's time to pay the price. They've dodged it the whole time. Right. They got a slap on the wrist. They turned around trying to turn the tables to blame uh, uh, Triple G and tried to make Canelo as the victim. And it's time to pay. It's time to be held accountable. And if all that means, Sal, is a 50-50 split and they're hemming and hawing about it, what does that tell you about the, the, the whole issue and the whole, uh, you know, type of people that Canelo and Oscar De La Hoya are. It makes me sick. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. 
Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, hot and heavy over this uh, whole Triple G Canelo BS. Uh, but uh, I got some other stuff to talk about. We'll probably uh, talk a little bit more about this um, because my blood pressure, she's a rising, Sal. And, uh, <laughs> it, you know, it just bothers me that, you know, Canelo and, and Oscar De La Hoya can be so pompous here. Um, the bottom line is, like you said, you know, you're only as good as your last performance and let's include a performance-enhancing drug uh, performance, too, because uh, Canelo, his last performance that's in my mind is testing positive for performance-enhancing drugs. I don't really think of the hair follicle test. I don't really think of anything other than, hey, man, this guy tested positive, and he got a slap on the wrist. In, in the wrist. And in the, meantime, in the meantime, Triple G had to go find a fight. He still fought. You know, so I, I'm sorry. There's no justification here, in my opinion, for Canelo. If they wanted to save face, they need to just get in the ring, keep quiet, shut Oscar up, give him a new pair of fishnet stockings or some shit to wear. I don't know. But uh, but keep him quiet and uh, and move on because this is, uh, this is crazy. But uh, I'll tell you what else is crazy. How about this? You know, uh, Kubat Pulov and Dillian White uh, are uh, scheduled to fight. And they, um, uh, you know, you would think that the uh, uh, promoters of each of these guys uh, would uh, would have, you know, won the purse bit. But it was reported uh, last week that the uh, a winner of the purse bid for this fight, and this is for the uh, mandatory title shot, it's the uh, elimination fight, uh, Epic Sports and Entertainment uh, won the purse bid. Uh, they won this purse bid of $1.5 million, which seemed a little uh, low. But Matchroom Boxing, Eddie Hearn, who is the promoter of uh, Dillian White, he only bid 831000 and Sarolin, uh, Sarolin Events, uh, who uh, is the promoter of Cuba Pulov? They only bid eight hundred and one thousand and change. So uh, uh, the uh, Epic Sports and Entertainment bid over uh, a million and a half, one point five million and change. And now the guy who owns that is actually a longtime attorney for Don King, John Wirt, uh, which is uh, uh, another strange situation. Uh, the uh, unified. Uh, heavyweight champ, which is Anthony Joshua, the winner of this fight gets a shot at him. Um, you know, the funny thing about this is White has won seven fights in a row since Anthony Joshua beat him, uh, and that took three years. Pulov, um, his only loss was against Vladimir Klitschko. That took place in 2014. 
he fought five fights in four years. So he fought three less, I mean, I'm sorry, two less fights in uh, one in one more year than uh, Dillian White, and neither of their own promoters won the purse bid. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Wow. Keep following that bouncing ball. <laughs> it's, uh, it is what it is. Um, you know, these purse bids and, and everything else, Dillian White, uh, and Pulov, I think I think that'll be a decent fight, uh, almost almost as you will as an elimination to see who fights uh, uh, the winner of Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua maybe, or the loser of that fight, either one. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good showdown between those two. And as far as the purse bidding, uh, you know, like I said, it's uh, it's it's some more retoric, and you got to go with the highest number. So. Uh, uh, see what you could do. Well, here's the thing. Know. First of all, it's a real fight against two real it's contenders. Real it so I, I like the fight. Um, I like but, the fight. But my prediction here is John Wirt, similar yeah. to, to Don King, will not do this fight. I'll bet you. You don't and you, so. and you, you hear it. You're hearing it here first. I okay. predict that John Wirt will not be able to come up with the money for this fight, and this fight will go to purse bid again. Uh, this is a guy who wasn't even able to come up with money to do a, a, a club show one time, if I recall correctly. So, um, yeah, I think this is going to be a similar situation uh, as it was with Don King, who, uh, uh, you know, per made some purse bids extremely high. I mean, you got to this guy's almost a million dollars, you know, seven hundred thousand dollars higher than the next bid. You know, so, uh, you know, he's going to realize that he effed up, and he's going to back out. You watch. You watch. This fight is going to drag on, even though it's a good okay. one. But, uh, we'll see. It's, it is a good fight. An update. Vasily Lomachenko uh, vacated Lomachenko. his uh, junior lightweight title, uh, and he was supposed to fight uh, on August 25th uh, for a uh, unification. Now, if you recall, um, he uh, won the uh, lightweight world title when he beat Jorge Linares. Uh, a couple of weeks ago on May 12th, and he had the decision to either uh, keep that title or vacate it or keep his lightweight title or vacate it. Uh, I'm sorry, keep his junior lightweight title. He chose to stay in the bigger weight class, which uh, once again shows that Vasily Lomachenko uh, is, uh, is out to do the best and to prove he's the best. His team made a statement. They said, Lomachenko is going to stay at 135 pounds because we believe there are bigger and uh, there are bigger fights and much better competition and more challenging fights for Lomachenko in that weight class. We've been talking about the next fight and maybe unifying the titles with Ramundo Beltran, uh, but everything is still up in the air. I think they're also uh, talking about the possibility of fighting Mikey Garcia. If you recall, Mikey Garcia uh, had fought. Uh, for the uh, junior welterweight title and chose to keep his lightweight title. Uh, so uh, it's it's interesting to see that these two guys seemingly are on a uh, collision course. But when we're talking about fighters all the time, Sal, looking for the easy way out, we're never mentioning Vasily Lomachenko, his no. name, when you talk no. about the easy way out. Here's a guy that clearly was the smaller fighter against Linares. He was dropped in that fight. You might, you, fight. you might he even say, you might even say, you might even say, hey, dude, you know this weight is too big for you. He had already moved up, and what does he do? He bucks all the odds and says, I'm staying in the tougher weight class. What's your thoughts? Well, you know what? He is a not only he he is one that lets his fist do the talking and. 
what he does is hard to beat. I'm telling you, the guy's phenomenal. He uh, he has the, the tools, and he shows how to put them together and work them. And he's a craftsman. He really is. And um, I could use that analogy and more. This guy is the real deal. He comes out there. He assesses what he's in and involved in, and he outboxes, he outpunches, and he, as we always say, he displays a beautiful, beautiful level of skill how he could slip and avoid a punch, but yet be in the pocket to deliver and counterpunch and beat his opponents. Now, the guy comes to fight. The guy's in shape. The guy does it all. And you know what? My applause, my accolades, my my, my tribute to him. He, he's one of the best out there pound for pound today. And uh, so I like to see him. In fact, you know what? If he sustains a good level of success at the lightweight division, wouldn't it be neat when they crown a new uh, junior lightweight champion? He goes down and says, wait, I'm going to come and fight this guy, too, and beat him, too. I, I don't think he'll do that. but uh, Why? You know, I, that's the kind of stuff great fighters do. And he could. He said, you know what, just to remind you, I, I used to own that title. Let me uh, let me show you how I could still get it. Right. Yeah, and I think it would be great. I and, think it would be great. And the other part of that statement for him could say, not only did I used to own it, but I could take it back whenever I want. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you know? I mean. That's what I could see. I, could, I, I see this guy has a, uh, as they would say over in the UK, a brilliant future. He, he he's phenomenal. He's great. He's got it all. Um, some other a pleasure well, to watch. One other thing I want to mention real quick: Jean Pascal, who I never really thought that. I mean, I, I don't know. He 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 never displayed any uh, boatload of skill set, but you know he's a big draw and everything else. He had announced that he was retiring after his last fight in December against Hamed Ibiliai. And he, he put on a great performance, and uh, he retired. Uh, it didn't take long. He's back. He says he's unretiring, and uh, he's going to be uh, fighting uh, Steve Basse, who's a uh, former UFC fighter and a North American Hockey League. Oh, so so he played in, uh, in the Hockey League. So, man, those are where all the real fighters are. Anyway, he's going to be uh, uh, fighting again in June. So we'll see what happens with the 35-year-old Jean Pascal. You know, Sal, I got a couple of uh, emails um, that I wanted to read real quick. Today's a, a shortened show, boys and girls, and uh, uh, we apologize for that, but uh, it is what it is. But uh, this one's from Coach, and he says, uh, Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed your Memorial Day weekend uh, after at last getting to see President Trump step up and pardon Jack Johnson. It was Great while thing. searching. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday, and, and I, you know, I love it too. He says, it was while searching the streams and cable channels for the weekend's fights, I finally reached uh, my fill of hearing about the NFL and its kneeling for the national anthem. I uh, have to say, uh, while we break down and, and sometimes tear apart uh, the sport we all love, I have to thank God that boxing hasn't crossed that line. Uh, he says, after listening to some of the NFLers still talk about ways to continue the protest during the anthem, I can't help but reflect back to Muhammad Ali, who actually, whether you sided with him or against uh, with him or against him during his position, refusing induction into the army, took on only personal risk. Uh, to himself facing prison and forfeiting the potentially best year of his, his years of his career. He never once crossed that line, forcing his stand on everyone taking all the repercussions for his actions alone. Unlike the NFLers uh, who took uh, who to no risk to themselves 
have now taken political correctness uh, to entertainment and their well-paid workplace. Even getting your lousy New York... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Even getting your lousy New York Jets owners to provide cover for them, saying he would pay any player fines under the new rule, which I agree is complete bull. Uh, he says, I, have, uh, I just have to hope and pray that I never uh, turn on or attend a fight card where any fighter or main attraction participant takes a knee during the song sung celebrating our national identity. Imagine a fallout if Muhammad Ali knelt during the playing of our national anthem before the fight of the century against Joe Frazier in 1971 or at the Ali Frazier 3 thrill in Manila fight uh, that took place in the Philippines in 1975. Can you even conceive what such a selfish and inappropriate action could have meant to our country as well as our sport? We always talk about the UK leading boxing right now and like the US fighters never taken any risks skipping out on the WBSS, World Boxing Super Series, uh, I could never in my foggiest moment envision Wembley Stadium kneeling for God Save the Queen. What's your thoughts on the anthem in boxing? First and foremost, um, I totally think that the kneeling during the national anthem is, is ridiculous, okay? Colin Kaepernick started it he had a, a, a protest, right? He was doing it for a reason, his, his stand on inequality, which I support, okay? However, I didn't support the vehicle he chose. I said this from day one. A year after he chose it, you got all these other people deciding to kneel. Half of them didn't even know what they were kneeling for. All right. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, and, and, and people start to uh, now. They have another fight, another uh, player, Eric Reed, uh, who is not, uh, uh, you know, conforming either. And both of these guys, Eric Reed and Colin Kaepernick, are still out of a job in the NFL. Now, one of the players, I forget who suggested it, suggested that all the players stop working and potentially do a walkout until a team signs Colin Kaepernick or, and, and Eric Reed. <laughs> And I said to myself, and I talked about this yesterday. Wow. What a ridiculous statement. Wow. If you look at the statistics alone, you know, at least for, for Colin Kaepernick, the guy has had, had his last two seasons playing was terrible compared to his best season uh, when he played uh, uh, three, three years prior. All right. That's number one. Number two, as a, as a uh, coach or a owner of a team, the last thing you want is to bring in somebody that's going to divide your locker room. You know, and and regardless of what the situation is, you don't want a divided locker room. That equals not succeeding. So, you know, they can't, and they're all making it a race issue. They polled NFL fans, and what made me even more sick is that when they separate, by the way, the, the majority of the people are against the kneeling, but when they separated the, the fans that were polled, between white, black, Hispanic, okay, the black population had a higher support rate of the kneeling during the national anthem, which again makes me question why they would do that. Why do you make a race issue part of our country? You know, I mean, it doesn't make sense. Do I support uh, race equality? Of course I do. But don't take it out on our national anthem. Don't kick and spit the guys that risk their lives and lose their lives for the freedoms that we have in this country. And what do you attack? 
You know, if you're going to attack a race issue, fine. Attack it where it hurts. Don't attack the country. I can't believe that this is still even going, and it makes me sick, Sal. And I'll tell you one last thing. I was at a boxing event right after it reached its pinnacle of kneeling in the NFL, okay? And no one knelt during a boxing event. As a matter of fact, I couldn't help but notice how many people were looking around to see if anyone was kneeling. And let me tell you one other fact. The majority of the audience was black. So please, it doesn't matter what color you are. doesn't matter what religion you are. When it comes to being an American, that's what makes America great, Sal. We're a mixed bunch of people here in the U.S. Don't take a protest against the, the anthem. You don't like the political situation. You don't like the president. You don't like this. You don't like that. Fine. But don't take it out on the basis of this country. What's your thoughts? No, well, you said it right there. I'm for 100 percent equality as well. And, and it's great. But let's look at other ways to show it. I mean, when you when you take a knee against the flag, unless somebody could spin it to be a positive thing, which I don't think they can at this point, uh, I, I, I'd say, you know, that's just showing disrespect. Uh, to our country and to the fallen heroes that helped build this country and to the people that have built this country. So, you know, this is still the land of the free, the land of opportunity. And this is also the land where you have made your living as a professional football player and that you are, are one of the heroes that people look up to. So when you disgrace our flag uh, on this level, then you know what? You're going to reap the different rewards that you, that you may have in mind because I, it's not saying the statement of what you're really trying to represent. And if you clearly try to represent something with a purpose, then I'm all for it. If you do it with a, in, in a way that's not going to tarnish uh, what our character, makeup, and solidarity means. You know, uh, yesterday, uh, you know, Memorial Day, there was, you know, a lot of parades and stuff. Every, every town had a parade. And one, I saw some video of one in, in the city of Albany. And they made the, uh, uh, what do they call that, the, 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 the main guy at a parade. What, did, what do they call that? Uh, Grand Poobah. Yeah, the Grand, the Grand Marshal. All right, Grand, Grand Marshal. Yeah, I just needed a little nudge, thanks. Um, the, gra <laughs> the, gra the Grand Marshal. The Grand, okay, Fred and Barney. That was Flintstones. No, Grand Poobah was the Flintstones, wasn't it? I thought it was Jackie Gleason. But I don't know, maybe, maybe. maybe. Well, you know what? And the, and the Flintstones were very similar to the Honeymooners. No, you're right. They're just cartoons. Right. They might have, uh, they might have copied. But anyway, um, they had this. The Grand Marshal of, of the parade in the city of Albany was a World War II vet. Sal, he was 99 years old, and they interviewed him. And this guy, you know, 99 years old, said that he cried that tears of joy came to his in, in, to him to his eyes when he was asked to be the grand marshal of this parade wow. and it got me wondering you know you look at these guys and there's very few of them left on the planet today from world war ii world war ii vets that really gave the world to what we have today and for him to feel emotional about being asked to be the marshal I mean, that just goes to show you the difference in generations and the thought process. And it's sad to see how unappreciative uh, the, youngest, the younger generations are becoming. And it's being further and further back in history, and it's being forgotten. And it's, it's kind of sad 
you know, uh, to uh, to see that and and to see the way, uh, you know, people look at things, you know, and uh, it's 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 a shame. And and even today, uh, you know, I, I, I see these, uh, you know, uh, people that serve men and women that serve in all armed forces across the globe uh, and the risks and, and the penalties that they take. And there, there was another one of these uh, ceremonies that has grown into filling a stadium here in upstate New York, where all these um, former uh, uh, military people make themselves available to help with the grieving people that are left from the soldiers that have given their life for this country. And it was amazing to see that they put in the time, even though they risked it themselves, just to help with closure from some of these parents that are still proud of their sons and daughters who died uh, for this country. And, and I couldn't imagine losing one of my kids um, and, and to do it uh, for the country and to still have a, a level of, of being proud about it um, is, is something that I can't even, I can't even grasp. So, you know, when you see these guys that are kneeling, uh, as a total disrespect move, uh, and, and they're trying to get their point across, I understand, but they need to do it in a different way. They need to find a different vehicle and not go against the country because this country, Sal, is divided worse now, uh, than I think it's ever been. Uh, since the Civil War, really. I mean, uh, we're not heading down a good path, I'll tell you that right now. No, and it, it's the divi division that uh, we find ourselves trying to over, always try to overcome and overcome. And, and it's hard. It's really hard because there are, there are splits right down the middle, right down the side. And, you know, uh, it, it's, it's something that we should all have a common bond a common ground and and that, that ladies and gentlemen is the stars and stripes on our, on our flag and a realization of that this flag was woven with blood sweat and tears and lives and uh you know we we got to remember that and that's memorial day and you know the fallen heroes that help help give us this opportunity to live our free lives and give us the opportunity to to uh make a living with a government that uh, that uh does uh, do the best job they can. Uh, you know, it's it's um it's 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 an insult. It's a, it's hard, and like I said, I'm I'm 100 for equality across the board for all races and religions. But let's try to do it in a fashion that uh, is not dishonoring what this country stands for, and the solidarity and what it took, the common ground, the blood that it took to weave that flag in place. You know, we we had we had a great celebration. We had a private party uh, on our Sunday afternoon, and I have two remaining uncles out of out of twenty aunts and uncles from each side of my family from Italy, and 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 two of my uncles that are that have survived. They're in their nineties, mid nineties. They're still in good shape. They they were World War II vets, and and we had a celebration this past Sunday at our a restaurant with a, an old veteran celebrating his 100th birthday and the generals and the rewards and, and, and awards and everything else that came out and sh and showed up in, in, in our restaurant. I mean, you want to talk about the patriotism and, and talk about honoring. And this guy got more medals now uh, and, and everything else and his 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 brilliant service to this country and, and what he did uh, during World War II. 
uh, I mean, it, it just it put chills in, in in all of our spines, and and to know that that there are people out there that want to try to uh, disrespect what what people have died, bled, and are still willing to do so, it's it's uh, it's an insult. It really does hurt. It turns a lot of fans off, and you know, I think if the NFL uh, wants to continue to allow that those things to happen or go down that path, they're going to lose more and more fans. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt um uh in it with that and and you know the thing is is you have to um you have to yeah you can't take it out on, on the country and 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 i'll tell you something i got this last email i want to read that really hits hits it on the head this is from linda okay and um she sent me this email and she she kind of I'm not going to read all of the stuff she sent, but some of this stuff was um, based on the youth. And I think this is a good segue because a lot of stuff we hear and, you know, for all intent purposes, Colin Kaepernick and his movement, uh, although he, you know, he had a good basis of it. He, he made the wrong decision. It's kind of taken a life for itself. And a lot of things that I notice and we talk about um, on off the air, whatever, about the state of the world right now falls on the shoulders of of a younger generation and what it and it always has it always has but this younger generation seems to want at least in the united states the government to do everything you know when obama was a president here uh, as far as the country itself we were in a bad state but you know one of the things that he did do was that he created programs and, and basically was handing stuff out, okay? And what happened was uh, it hurt us, the country, financially, but a lot of people felt that this was the way to go. And a lot of young people that come out of school, college, whatever, they have this mindset. And you can see it today with the hatred. Now, now you know, not to say or be positive or negative against our current president, Donald Trump, but the one thing everybody can agree on is that he does things in an unorthodox way. You know, he's not the tradi- traditional uh, president who, who watches the verbiage he uses and, and chooses his words carefully, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't do it. And, and a lot of people are appalled, and they hate him for it. Um, not looking at what he's actually doing or not doing as a president, but more from a personal perspective. And I'll be the first to admit that this is a guy that, you know, to like him on a personal level has got to be hard. I mean, his wife doesn't even kiss him, you know. So, um, I mean, the truth of the matter is I get it, all right, and I, and I don't disagree. But what seems to be happening is a lot of young people, youth to be specific, 35 and younger, uh, are all pointing at, oh, the government should do this. Oh, the government should do that. Oh, we should all get this. We should get that. And in a way, what they're, what they're talking about is socialism by definition. Oh, yeah. well, well, Linda sent me this email about socialism, she, and she was talking about, you know, she listens to the show. She watches the show. She's not even a big boxing fan. She just likes listening to us, Sal, believe it or not. Thank you, Linda. And uh, she said... Uh, uh, she said, you know, you, you talk about, uh, uh, you know, socialism and, and the youth of America will check this out. And she sent me um, uh, this. And it, it basically, uh, she says an economics professor at a local college made a statement that he would never fail a single student, uh, that he had never failed a single student before, but he recently failed an entire class. He says that this particular class had insisted 
that socialism, socialism worked and that no one would be poor and no one would be rich, it's a great equalizer for a country. <laughs> this was the class telling an economics professor um, and supporting what a lot of youth are, are brainwashed, in a sense, oh, today yeah. from elementary school, okay? Everyone should get this. The government should pay for that, this and blah, 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 right? So the professor trying to uh, convince the class that they were making a wrong decision, he said, okay, we're going to conduct an experiment in this class for this semester based on your plan. He says, all of the grades will be averaged, so everyone will receive the same grade. So no one will fail, and no one will receive an A. So he was substituting for these kids uh, the grades for this class uh, versus dollars something that you know is closer to home and more readily yes, understood by them. Analogy. I okay? know where you're going with this because I think it's brilliant. Go ahead. So, so after the first test, the grades averaged out and everyone got a B. The students in the class who studied hard, they got upset. And the students who studied a little bit, they were happy. The second test rolled around and the students who studied a little had studied even less. And the ones who studied hard decided that they wanted a free ride too, so they didn't study as hard. The second test, everyone got a D. That was the average. Now, no one in the class was happy. By the time the third test rolled around, the average became an S. Uh, I'm sorry, an F. As the tests proceeded, the scores never increased because the bickering and the blame, the finger pointing and name calling all resulted in hard feelings between the students and no one would study for the benefit of anyone else. To their great surprise, at the end of the semester, all of the students failed. And the professor told them that socialism would also ultimately fail because when the reward is great, the effort to succeed is great. But when government takes all the reward away, no one will try or want to succeed. He said, remember these five sentences for the rest of your life because they are applicable to this experiment. Number one, you cannot legislate the poor into prosperity by legislating the wealthy out of prosperity. He said, number two, what one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. Number three, the government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from somebody else and number four you cannot multiply wealth by dividing it which is a mathematical equation by the way and he said finally when half of the people get the idea that they don't have to work because the other half is going to take care of them and when the other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they worked hard for that's the beginning of the end of any nation. I couldn't support this guy more. As much as I have turned against teachers and the reason is what this guy took a stand for, I couldn't agree with this more. And I'm happy that he took it out and actually failed these kids because I hope that they learned more by getting an F in this class than they would have if they skated through. What's your quick thoughts, Sal? Brilliant, brilliant, and 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 like I said, that's our society, capitalistic, and and wanting our rewards for our efforts to come back to us on on a on a basis we can feel comfortable with. I mean, I look, I just had a son that graduated high school this past weekend, and uh, 
He graduated not with honors, but with top honors. And I know he's up every morning, 4.30 in the morning, studying before he goes out and runs. Um, and he, he was captain of his cross-country team. He plays his soccer, standout, varsity, this one, traveling. The kid works hard. He goes for runs every morning. He works out. He's up studying 4.30 in the morning for all of his classes. He graduated with a 42.5% grade point average, 4.2, whatever. And and he he's, he's stellar. He got accepted to a big university. He's, 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 he's on his way to adulthood. And to think that he wouldn't be rewarded for his efforts or that would be averaged in, averaged down to somebody who just goes through high school and life as a cog on a wheel and bumps from one position to another is hard to really understand and rationalize. That's why we are the greatest country. We are competitive. We do want the best. We do strive for the best, and we are given the opportunity to be the best. So you know what? Let the rewards be recognized. And I think having our society where you are are at a level where you can start off on a, as an equal, but your efforts will be accelerated and will be something recognized and that you'll profit from one day, then I think that's 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 society. That's the human race. That's our race. And that's what people are having to remember to be realizing that this is this is what we are. We, we don't have the limits placed on us to be average. We got to be above average. Um, our trivia question for today um, is available to everyone but Coach, because Coach already got this one correctly uh, in the past. And I don't, and I know Coach is a stand-up guy, so don't try and offer him millions of dollars to give him the answer and stuff and all of that. But uh, uh, here's today's question. And if you're the first one to email me correctly, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. The question is, what did Jersey Joe Walcott and Mike Colbert both have in common? What did Jersey Joe Walcott and Mike Colbert both have in common? If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's T-A-L-K-I-N, B-O-X-I-N-G.com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Sal, you want to take a shot at this one? They both had dinner with Jack Dempsey. Hey, ding, 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 ding. No, sorry. <laughs> You're wrong. You're wrong. But you were close. You were close. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, on this day in boxing history, May 29th, in 1988, Fulgenzio Oblablima, I can't even pronounce his name. Sorry, man. Uh, wins a 12-round decision over Chong Pal Park uh, to win the WBA World Super Middleweight title to place in right. South Korea. Uh, on this day in 1933, Jimmy McLarnon knocks out Young Corbett III in the first round to win the World Welterweight title to place in Los Angeles. Uh, on this day in 1982, Bazooka Lyman knocks out Rolando Navarretti in the 12th round to regain the WBC Junior Lightweight title to place in Los Angeles. On this day in 1999, Freddie Norwood wins a 12-round decision over Antonio Cermino to regain the WBA World Featherweight title took place in San Juan, Puerto Rico on this day in 1999. On this day in 1988, Juan Jose Estrada uh, wins a 12-round decision over Bernardo uh, Pingago uh, to win the WBA World Junior Featherweight title took place in Mexico. On this day in 1999, uh, Lee Holy Liwaba uh, wins a 12-round decision over John Michael Jackson uh, to win the uh, vacant IBF World Junior Featherweight title to place in South Africa. 
Uh, and finally, on this day, May 29th in 1998, Hugo Soto wins a 12-round decision over Jose Bonilla uh, to win the WBA World Flyweight title, and that took place in Las Vegas. Hey, boys and girls, that concludes our show for today. Yes, it's a shorter version of the show. Sorry about that. Uh, programming note, we will not be here on Friday, but we will be here tomorrow and Thursday for a full show. Uh, so, uh, hey, make sure you're there. So, uh, I'll leave you with this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na